questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Dear fellow humans, have we not learned our lesson yet? If the mainstream media is giving a lot of attention to a narrative, it's most likely not true, and we should seek the truth elsewhere. And I hope that's why you're here. You are not responsible for the programming you received in childhood. As an adult, you are 100% responsible for fixing it. How? By unlearning what you learned. Or you could continue being tapped into the mainstream news, regulated under the science of social conditioning, paid for by those who have the most to gain. But as you know, everyone says they hate a liar. But try being the one who tells the truth. And that is who we bring tonight. Our special guest has been the victim of censorship, attacks all over the world for his passion for truth, for his passion and love for humanity. He has uncovered and probably prevented some of the most famous and largest false flags in modern times. Tonight, we dissect the plan, coming all the way from 2019 until now, and what's coming ahead. He is optimistic. He sees a world of peace, harmony, and abundance for all. Perhaps what we're currently witnessing is the last battle of good versus evil, the uncovering of the man behind the curtain, the ultimate realization and the Great Awakening. If you are a truth warrior and feel part of this tribe, stay with us. You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, and more. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store, for focused life force energy, MMS, rebounders, CBD pure hemp oil, pure organic sulfur, flash drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And now, here's your host, Mel Hostelrick. And to shine a bright light on conspiracies, tonight's special guest is Veritas veteran Ole Damagord, an award-winning author, investigator, musician, artist, painter, former journalist, and much more. For more than 25 years, he has worked very hard to expose some of the biggest conspiracies around the globe, something that has turned out to be a very dangerous task. And his website is lightonconspiracies.com, directly from beautiful Bali, Indonesia. I would like to welcome my brother from another mother, Ole Damagard. Hello, Ole, and welcome back. How are you? I'm super good. I'm on top. Stay safe here in Bali. And uh, good to be back with you. And it's been a while. It's been three years exactly. Last time we spoke was March of 2019. And uh, in retrospect, I think now, even though things were not normal back then, but I think of the contrast between 2019 and now, and boy, what a difference. I mean, we've gone through coronavirus, now we're going through this prospect of world war. But first of all, Ole, 
a lot of things have happened in the past three years with you. There is an exodus. You were in southern Spain and then you left. I want to know how life was. I love Spain, but I've delayed. My last trip was actually in 2019, and I've delayed going back because of what I see there. The the president, Pedro Sanchez, he's a socialist, uh, probably a pupil of, uh, of Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. But why don't you tell me of your experience? I really don't know where to start <clears throat> because... Um I believe I was monumental in stopping the real operation where COVID was just a tiny little pink and fluffy part of it in uh, October of 2019. But that that will be a whole show on its own. <clears throat> But after that, uh, we had been in lockdown uh, from uh, March of 2020 uh, for about two months uh, in southern Spain. Just like you said, if you remember First, they hit uh, Italy, then Spain, uh, then Portugal, and so on. These are normally the four countries that are hit when when attacks are done. And so I had the privilege, or whatever you want to call it, to feel on my bare skin uh, the the force of this operation because uh, the, there were very brutal measures taken in where we were living. So we were indoors for more or less two months. We couldn't even go outdoors. It was these things that are normal now was very unusual at the time. So it was really good to get a, a, a firsthand feeling of uh, what was going on. And since I know the New World Order agenda since many, many years, I knew exactly where they were heading with this whole thing, that it had absolutely nothing to do with a virus, that it was all about control, depopulation and, and uh, pushing us into the corners and uh, fourth industrial revolution uh, was the only option out, but in other ways, right into this ambush. So very uncomfortable to say the least, but I continued doing interviews all the time. We had, we were living in a, an apartment building and on uh, the, the person we rented from, he had uh, this little uh, like uh, wooden cabin on top of it. I don't know where that came from. It didn't fit in at all. But I turned this little wooden cabin into uh, a, like a studio. So I was doing all of these interviews from there. And uh, it was, like I said, very uncomfortable because at one point uh, they gave all uh, the authorities to the military in Spain. And these are quite uh, rough boys and girls. So um, I was sort of doing interviews, but all the time prepared for the door to be knocked in. And so we, we had like, uh, I had ropes hanging down the building on the side so that I could do an escape there. And uh, I had checked out all type of alternative escape routes out of this little town. But it, it's not easy, I tell you, because most towns are nowadays made so that there's one exit, one, one entry, and that's about it. So... Um, Anyway, but since I'm also very aware of the population control, how they and crowd control, so I knew that they were going to push, 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 and then they they cannot keep people locked in forever. They have to let go of the pressure so that people can go in, get some, or go out, get some fresh air, and think, oh, we're free again. And then they will then blame the population. Well, you naughty people, you did something wrong, and now there's a new virus here, so back into lockdown and. Uh, For a second wave, that's one of the reasons for these waves. It's just a matter of crowd control. Because it is while we've been locked locked in, which is, by the way, or locked down, which is a prison term, has nothing to do with health. Uh, the whole unleash of 5G, that uh, the whole massive population of 5G masks and, uh, you know, 
camouflage as uh, cactus or, or palm trees or whatever, but it's still that is what had been uh, uh, carried out in many, many countries at nighttime while the population had been locked in because 5G is so monumentally important for these forces that are behind these operations because uh, the fact is they are very few, we are very, very many, so it's only through technology that they can uh, control us or they are hoping to control us through uh, what is called smart cities, where all of these smart devices are connected and where we are locked into a, a digital grid of freedom, in their words, uh, no property, we, we will be happy anyway, according to them, but we will be locked in. But to be able to get us into these digital prisons, they need very fast bandwidth, and that's where 5G comes in, 6G, 7G, that is only because of the speed, because this is military technology, it is millimeter wave, it's very, very harmful to everything alive, but it's a desperate attempt from the few in power, uh, whatever you want to call them, super psychos or whatever, uh, to take the final leap. Because in my opinion, this dark empire has been falling apart for quite a long time now because of people like you and me and, and many other beautiful so-called freedom fighters that are, are doing everything we can to expose these whole things. So they are in a desperate situation because, uh, as I said, there are very few, we are, we are very many. And if you look at history, many times these type of things ends like in, in a lynching party. So I understand that they're, they're scared. But anyway, uh, so because of, uh, of my knowledge of how they control um, people and the, the time limit of how long you can keep people in different situations and, and so on. We calculated and we, we put, pinpointed a time where we thought that there would be an opening and we managed to pinpoint it quite accurately because also the, the airports were locked, uh, locked down. Uh, we had like military roadblocks. Uh, there were helicopters, patrol boats. Uh, I mean, it was not nice at all. And we were giving like, uh, I think nine pages of, of rules and fines, anything from, you know, if you had a, a bicycle with some rust on it, they claimed that the rust would uh, be able to spread the virus. Uh, we went out, there were fines for if you peed in the sea. I mean, really? Uh, I don't know how they would discover that. Maybe they had <laughs> sort of like undercover submarines that were out there checking out like people were peeing in the sea when we were finally allowed out to the beach. I mean, because we went for, for a couple of months. And so uh, the, the reason we came here to Southeast Asia was that I was uh, involved in a super beautiful project that unfortunately turned out to be something else than I thought. But that was the thing that, that made us take this massive leap of faith to Southeast Asia and so we actually escaped we had one suitcase each it was uh, there were curfew there were military in the police uh, and military and police in the streets and so on but uh, <coughs> I managed first to go on tour in Sweden and then my girls my my wife and daughter managed to get out uh, first to Sweden where I managed to discover that there was an incredibly big uh, attack uh, aimed for Sweden so uh, while being there trying to sort out all the papers with the Indonesian uh, embassy and so on, I noticed all of these uh, very, very scary signs of what was being built up uh, to take place in Sweden. So I went out big time there. We managed to stop that whole thing. It went under the name of Operation Code. And it was a massive, massive uh, plan 
a military thing that was uh, being planned with the U.S. special forces and uh, also the Swedish, uh, some core elements of the Swedish government, very corrupt elements that were part of trying to shut down Sweden as we know it. So we managed to stop that and then get on the plane and go to Indonesia, which was like a also like a, um, I don't know, like a science fiction bizarre movie, which is nowadays normal when you see these people in white uh, Robocop clothes or plastic mm, tents or whatever they're walking around and spraying luggage. And we were sitting with face masks and face shields and gloves. And there were coming these weird things coming out from the aircon in the plane. And I was just praying, you know, if we can just manage to get to Bali, everything would be okay. And so we managed to get here through the different... Uh, test stations and stuff like that in certain ways and i had promised to kiss mother bali if we managed to get here and i gave her a massive big kiss on my knees when we finally got here so yeah so we've been here for a year and a half and uh, my god it's uh, it's such a beautiful people such a gentle um yeah i, I just feel so blessed to be here and uh, do you ever see sasha stone at all yeah, yeah, he, uh, we are, uh, we've been becoming friends. He was, uh, he's now building a whole new community down in Mexico. So he's, but he just managed to get back here right. after uh, this big tour in the U.S. Uh, then he couldn't get back because of all of their regulations. And now he's here right now. I'm just uh, doing a symposium with him. I think it was released a few days ago. And the uh, Lazaro Lazarus symposium, something like that. And then in a few weeks, he's going back to to Mexico to continue. I think they're building like 300 houses and a community down there for people, like-minded people, to have some kind of, uh, uh, yeah. It's interesting that countries like Indonesia and uh, Mexico, I go to Mexico all the time, and I know certain places in Mexico are totally immune to this BS. And they have places, for example, in Chiapas, Mexico, for example. Once you get there, the population is very observant, watching to see if the medical authority ever shows up in the city. They run them out of the city. Hmm. They basically say, take your, take your Jap and put it somewhere else, but you're not coming here. We know better than that. And a lot of Americans and Canadians are escaping Basically, they call them medical refugees. Do you see that happening in Indonesia? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Here, they're very, very strict. Uh, there, there are a, a fantastic expat population here that we're, to a large extent, are very aware of uh, a lot of what the things are going on. I've been sort of informing as much as I can as well, uh, which almost got me deported from here. But uh, Oh, really? There you go. Yeah, it was... Um, yeah, I don't want to go into it, but uh, but there's an awareness here among many, uh, but uh, among the local people, they're being pushed into taking uh, booster after booster after booster. So bad news, bad news, and bad news, I tell you that. So I, I feel really, I, I my heart aches for these people because many of them do not, they're not informed except from mainstream media. And they're telling you a story that I totally do not agree with. That's for sure. I, I sense, I sense Ole and, and I'll blame you for this because I've had to adapt. This is a survival mechanism for us truth seekers, because we would rather continue our fight rather than just be, Oh, I'm going to be so brave. I'm going to say anything I want 
we've already, look, the last time we spoke, all hell broke loose for us. YouTube almost shut us down. We got demonetized. One of our payment processors dropped us. Google threatened to remove us from their search engine. Our hosting company received a letter from someone high in the elite department, if you will, saying I was hosting social engineering content and almost shut us down. Vimeo shut us down, our private channel. A bit later, I guess that, that happens if you're too close to the truth. And I know you went through the same thing. And by the way, this happened after I had you on and our friend Corey, I'm not going to mention his last name. That was the last thing. So we had to be very careful. And I know that you have to be walking very on eggshells sometimes in order to, to pass your truth. I'm, I'm open to you. Unfortunately, it seems to be part of my personality because uh, <laughs> uh, this happens around me all the time. And uh, it, they, they claim it's hate speech or bullying and breaking guidelines, uh, community guidelines, whatever that means. But really, uh, it's like if I, if I am speaking hateful, I've, I've been interviewed almost 1,100 times on international radio. It's all on my website. Please, if you can find any single word where I've been hateful or racist or violent in my way of speaking, please point it out. I tell you. I, I dare you, I do not think you will be able to find them. I've been giving the finger, yes, that's true, many times to these forces. But then again, there you go. So it sounded almost like you were describing my situation because uh, Vimeo shut us down, uh, Patreon recently shut us down, which was a hard blow to us. Um, my YouTube channel with, with more than a couple of hundred thousand subscribers was shut down, no warning. My official Facebook page was shut down the day when it went into the metaverse, whatever they call it. Boom, that went out the window and uh, it just goes on and on. And uh, even on BitChute, I'm being censored and Odyssey as well. They say I'm breaking guidelines. But really? What, what is it? Yeah. And these are like platforms where we're being told you're safe. Right. So what is actually going on? And this is where... I find it interesting to be me because what is it that differs me from other people? Because many other people are allowed on these platforms. So there must be something that is different. And I would say that it's the topics that I'm talking about with the false flag operation set up the, the sort of the recipes for how they carry these things out and how I expose the, the methods not just the different incidents. I think that is what really scares them. And also that I expose the secret communication system they have, the color coding, the shoes, all of these things that are part of the fear triggering uh, action plan that they have. So uh, it's, it's almost like if it was uh, David Copperfield on stage and uh, I, I was his uh, manager or trainer and that I was going out saying listen when he would you see this box when he chops it in three and the head is going to the left and the feet are going to the right this is actually not happening this is how he does it and then I'm showing how this ma magic is done and I think that is what they fear and that thus while they hit so brutally and when Patreon shut us down as well this was uh, quite a tricky situation because that's that was my rent that was my electrical bill the whole thing was dependent on that but the reason they shut us down was not because uh what was on my patreon uh, on the platform of patreon it was things that was on my website 
And it was they gave a, they were kind enough to give me two examples of what they wanted me to get rid of, and uh, one of them was my testimonial in front of the uh, Corona Investigative Committee with Rainer Fulmich. That is an international, the biggest legal effort to stop this madness. It's not just like hearsay or or theories. This is the real deal. That was one thing. I've, I've done almost four hours testimony in front of this committee. They wanted that away. And then also an interview, a very, very good interview with Rainer Fulmish, Fulmish himself. That was what they wanted me to delete. And, uh, and then also anything that had to do with COVID misinformation, COVID-19. So that would say like, I think I got like 3,000 articles about that. Yeah, remember, you were with us, Sean, SGT Report over a year ago, I believe, or, or less. And you mentioned, uh, please don't go there because Patreon, we depend on, on, on Patreon. So you're telling me that it actually happened. In our case, they didn't even allow us in. They said, you do not qualify. And now we get an email a few weeks ago from Facebook, which I don't know if you have an account still, but it's called, they have this new thing called Facebook Protect. And according to Facebook, it's required if you get the notification, so I guess I'm required. And it reads, your account has the potential to reach a lot of people. So we require stronger security. We built this security program to help defend accounts like yours. What a bunch of BS. There's something else nefarious about it, don't you think? Yeah. It's like super, super, super censorship. I mean, it's 1984 on steroids. That's it. Boom. Uh, but they always it, it is always presented so nicely it's for your protection and it's sort of like uh, golden covers and uh, this whole thing we do it for you because we care so much for you that we're going to shut you down with very brutal methods if you don't back down we will destroy you that is what they do so yeah but it's part of the game that is uh, uh, i almost uh, bent over when patreon did that because it, it was like i felt we are in a in a very far away country we are newbies here if they shut us down i mean this is this is a bit of a tricky situation i have a family to feed yeah and so i was thinking about okay fine if i shut down maybe the categories that have to do with covid let them activate our account again and then after a while i'll just uh, uh, no deactivate the category with uh, corona and all of these things that they didn't want us and then i activated without uh, when they're hopefully looking the other way but uh, my sweetheart Kim, she said, absolutely no way are they going to control us because if they can be part of deciding what we publish on our website, we are totally in their you know in their grip. They got it by the balls. So she said, no way, and thank God for her. Uh, so we just uh, said, Patreon, bless you, fuck you, and uh, off we went. And what we're doing is we're in the process of regrouping and rebuilding. And becoming even stronger. That's what we do every single time they shut us down. We come that stronger. That is uh, what we're trying to do. Well, this is what happened in the past two years. We have learned how to survive. We have learned how to be more stealthy in a way to stay alive. Yeah. I mean, we don't want to be as brave to the point that we know. I mean, they have the weapons and we have also the weapon. We have our voices. We have our brains and our Basically, we can think for ourselves and the people who listen to us fall in that category, too. So we're all in this together. That's our tribe, Ole. But do you see a connection now between COVID and this new event that all of a sudden nobody talks about COVID? Everything is united with Ukraine. 
there's massive, 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 massive connections. But the thing is, we're up against like a magician, an illusionist using propaganda, mind manipulation, mainstream media, all kinds of ways to play with our minds, to show us that uh, there's a conflict over here, deception over there, distraction over here. We're, it is actually like looking at an illusionist. And so you have to become very, very aware of what we're being served in the, when, when we're being told this is what's happening. You have to take a step back and say, question number one, is it true? Is this really happening? Is it true? That is, is it true? Because before that, so many of us, we just go into reaction and say, oh, my God, oh, my God. And that's exactly where they want us, because it's when we're in that reactive mode, they can serve us whatever bullshit that they want to direct us in whatever direction they want. So I believe that there is an incredibly big operation going on. I believe that uh, what we're looking at, like I said before, I, be, I really, really think that we almost had them in the end of 2019, uh, where apart, I was doing interviews. I said, it's amazing. It's amazing. Everybody was feeling this. Oh, my God, we're really making an incredible progress. It's starting to fall apart. And then, boom, in came uh, COVID-19. Can I can I quickly go through? I don't know if I can do it quickly, but is it okay? But take you, your time. If I go through, yes, okay. please. Yeah, because I believe this is monumental uh, first, and then after that we can go into Ukraine and uh, Tonga and all of these type of Bitcoin wars, which is uh, going on, and also the the war now that is trying to destroy Russia. That is one of the major things. So sure. if we can do it in parts with that, absolutely. Okay? Yeah, yeah, please. Okay, so in, uh, do you know that uh, one of the things that I specialized and I became become quite famous for is exposing false flag operations, finding hidden clues that is showing us upcoming attacks. This is, uh, there was an insider in the fall of 2014 that contacted me, an insider from these operations, where he said, I've been following you for years, you're doing great, but you're missing out on the clues. I was like, what do you mean, clues? He said, you have to become aware of that they always leave hidden clues in the forensic evidence, pointing or connecting to other events or future attacks. And I said, why on earth would they do such a stupid thing? He said, it's because of the law of karma. These uh, individuals or whatever you want to call them, these uh, organizations, I call them the global tour of terror, are very, very afraid and very aware of the law of karma. What you do comes back to you. They're terrified of that law. And he's, according to him, he said that they believe that if they show us, even in subtle ways, what they're going to do, and we do not react indirectly, we consent to what they do. And then if they manage to pull it off, the bad karma comes on our shoulders, not theirs. So it's in their selfish needs to show us what's actually going to, what they're going to do. And I said, that sounds like absolute baloney. I mean, that is just so weird. And well, anyway, uh, 
in the in the fall of 2014, there were four different events that where I started seeing that it something that looked like clues to the next one. The first one was an alleged uh, attack, ISIS attack at a power plant outside Dublin. The second one was Charlie Hebdo, if you remember, on the 9th of January 2015. Sure. And then the third one was uh, Copenhagen. And the fourth uh, clue that I found was Florence, Italy. Then, boom, it happened. Uh, this uh, thing in Dublin happened. Then Charlie Hebdo happened. So I thought, oh, my God, maybe this individual was actually not just uh, – filling me up with a lot of empty air. Maybe he was actually telling me something of, of value, the truth. So that was the very first time on uh, January the 10th, I think, I went out on international media, on Kevin Barrett and some other major shows, where I said, I don't know. This is what I've been told. This is what I've been informed. I found clues that are pointing straight towards Copenhagen. And it will be near this train station in central Copenhagen. I believe it will be on the 14th of January. I'm not sure. But if that, if I'm correct, there would be some kind of security drill going on in Copenhagen just the days before. Because in these false flag operations, as you know, the drill is a major part of this whole thing. Because that is what is needed for them to clear the area from us ordinary normal people, as they think. Um, and then while on set, they can set it up just like a film set, uh, control the area, control the streets, uh, get everything in, including uh, directors, crisis actors, uh, experts on pyrotechnics and b- bombs and the whole shebang. Like, like 9-11 and 7-7 London. Identical. There's nothing new. It is identical. Identical. Every single time. So the security drill is there. Also, where they rehearse the whole thing, where they get all of the good images that are then being spread out, and so on. So the the security drill is of incredible importance to them. So I asked on in these interviews, I said, please, if anyone is in Copenhagen, could you please check out if there's a security drill? Because if that is the case, I think this will happen. And I, within an hour, I, I got back from a friend in Copenhagen. He says, it's so strange that you mentioned the security drill. I was just on my way home from work, and here he took a photo of this poster, and there was a security drill, boom, that very evening in central Copenhagen, right by that train station. So I thought, oh, my God, oh, my God, we're on it. I went out again and said, please, please be aware. So I got a lot of people in Copenhagen. Uh, with cameras and friends going there, including Mas Pelsky, who is now quite an international speaker. He was one of the people there, just on standby if anything would happen. And zero happened. So I thought, okay, I was wrong. I looked like an idiot, not the first time, not a problem. As long I did what I thought was the right thing to do. So I thought I was wrong. Then exactly one month later, on the 14th of February, which is also Valentine's Day, boom, the mass shooting in Copenhagen happened outside the synagogue and uh, at a, a, a place called uh, Kutun in Copenhagen. Very, very close to the area I pointed out. Exactly one month later, on the hour, on everything was boom. So I thought, oh my God, that's three out of four. Now I really start to be, um, I was starting to believe what this person had informed me. So I went out big time about Florence and just a few days later, there were big reports on failed ISIS attack in Florence, Italy. So I thought that's four out of four. So from that day on, I've been looking for the clues. And you mentioned uh, 
I mean, there are like hundreds of clues in movies, magazines, uh, all over the place uh, in the many years before 9-11 saying, this is what's going to happen, this is what's going to happen, this is what's going to happen. We didn't see it, and boom, it happened. So the bigger the operation, the more clues. That is sort of the general idea. So anyway, it's come to a point now where at up to today's date that I've uh, uh, predicted or connected 64 of these uh, alleged mass shootings or terror attacks up to two months before they happen on international radio. So I would say that's quite a good track record, especially if I'm full of uh, bullshit, because that shows you that that is actually their method, meaning also that then as many of us can then uh, become aware of this whole thing, can be part of finding clues and exposing them before they even go down, meaning that it's a blessing in disguise because then we can stop this madness from happening. And over the years, I've been part of stopping several of these major attacks here. So fast forward to October of 2019, I was on tour in Sweden. And while on tour... Uh, one of the things I was uh, uh, focusing on a lot was the alleged truck attack in Stockholm in 2017, April 2017. And <clears throat> while looking into this whole thing, which was a very, very advanced operation that I believed was a real thing to start with. But then the more I dug into it, you know, I spent thousands of hours on these cases. Uh, the more I saw that, oh, my God, look at this. It's once again, they pulled this one off right in front of our face, you know, incredibly. So but there was this there was like a security conference a few months later in uh, in the outskirts of Stockholm near Ericsson's headquarters, which is the 5G where all of these things are being developed that we are dealing with right now. So anyway, uh, they had the security conference and there was one man called Ola Slettenmark who was the spider in the web when it came to emergency uh, things in Stockholm, meaning if there was an earthquake or flooding or war or whatever. He was the guy, his job was uh, as a security expert to coordinate the efforts of ambulance forces, fire brigade, police, military, government, secret police, and so on, in a case of an emergency. And he was giving this speech, uh, film speech, it's almost like a TED talk, a TED talk that I, or a film speech that I do not believe was meant for us ordinary people to see. This was for the people in the know. So anyway, in this presentation that was called The Drill That Became Reality, that was the, uh, the, the name of the presentation, The Drill That Became Reality. He goes through the whole thing that happened the day of this alleged truck attack. And in this presentation, he said that one minute before the attack happened, he raised the terror threat level to maximum, activating all of these different groups of people that were then then very, very central in the whole thing that happened. So I ask you, Mel, how can you raise the terror threat level to maximum one minute before something happens if you're not part of it? You cannot. So I would say that is the best smoking gun ever. So and then he goes uh, he he goes through the whole thing what they did in the following uh, hour you know after this attack uh, happened before I mean it took another five hours before they even knew who was driving the truck officially and still they treated it as a terror threat uh, terror attack within minutes they shut down everything they shut parts of the government in they shut down all 
bus traffic, all uh, subway traffic, all train traffic, everything, everything was shut down. People were locked in. There were military police or people in military and police uniforms. I'm not saying they were Swedish police, but they were, the uniforms were Swedish. The whole thing, how they coordinated these uh, different uh, uh, the whole setup, he, in his presentation, he just went through it minute by minute. So I thought, dear Mr. Ola Sletenmark, you are a bad boy, I must say, because if I've ever wanted to look, uh, know what a real terrorist looks like, here is one of them. So I, I'd never heard of the guy before, so I started looking into who, who is he, where did he come from, because he's been a very like uh, low profile in a person up until i saw that film thing that was leaked to me by someone on the inside so i think somebody with a good heart just felt this is so awful what we're doing here so he he shared it anyway so uh i started tracking him down it turned out that he was the opening speaker at the biggest uh security drill in europe uh, i think it was called innovative uh, action or something like that 2015 in london where there were international security experts from many different countries and where they built a live replica of the, uh, the Liverpool train station full scale inside a, uh, a worn down uh, factory building that was uh, empty in southern outside uh, southeast of London where they built a whole replica of this train station and put together what looked like a train disaster and and were training, they said, security drills, all kinds of people in uniform filming and think many of this type of footage have then come out after alleged terror attacks. I tell you, it was filmed right there. So if he was the opening speaker, that sort of says that he's somebody of quite high up in the ranks. So I kept tracking him down and I was like, fascinated because so i've also found his uh, personal twitter account was it was only like a couple of hundred people uh, following him but when i checked out the followers they were all into cyber security or uh, all kinds of security strategies resilience blah 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 so i thought this is not just any little group of people and and so I started seeing where he was moving around. And this Ola Svetnemark had been on several locations where alleged truck at, or terror attacks had happened. Sort of like in Ottawa where there was a van attack. He was uh, in Stockholm. He was in Spain. Uh, and, and just a few days before, I, I discovered this, uh, this, uh, this whole thing on October the 21st, 2019. Please remember... 2019, that was before anyone had heard about Corona or COVID or anything like that. So uh, just a few days before, uh, he had been in Barcelona at La Rambla, where there was an alleged van attack, very similar to the attack that was said to have happened in Stockholm. Just very shortly after that, the very same, same thing happened, more or less, in central Barcelona. And... He said he had taken some photos that was very Freemasonic in the way of the, of the choice of, of uh, sort of uh, how this photo was taken. And also he said, it's very emotional to be here on Las Ramblas and we've just celebrated our 500th meeting. That's 500. That is a lot of meetings, I tell you. So I was like, what are you involved in and why is it emotional for you to be 
in Barcelona, you know, did your grandmother hit, get hit by this van or why is it emotional? Or is it possible that you are now back where you were part of doing this operation, which I think is what happened. So anyway, I, I continued following this uh, Twitter. Any connection, I don't mean to interrupt you, any connection with, with the separatist movement, as you know, you obviously know this, that Catalonia wants to separate from Spain. Any connection between this activity and what they were trying to do? Absolutely not. Absolutely. The contrary, the absolute contrary. Because the freedom movement is, I would say, mostly no ordinary people trying yeah. to free itself from Spain. Right. We're, this guy is part of the exact opposite, and I'm, I'm very shortly going to show you why. Because uh, I saw also that he had been invited to uh, the embassy in Ottawa, he had this, uh, like, uh, invitation on Twitter and made in golden letters, big golden letters. That is not just for anyone, you know. I would never be invited to something like that. And in that way, this is a man of importance to the higher parts of hierarchy or whatever you want to call them. And the way he moves around, he is like an untouchable. The way he speaks, the way he's, he's like a very military, arrogant individual. And this is also their downfall many times because they think that they are untouchable, so they, they don't care really about security and stuff like that. But anyway, then it came. He said that after these 500 meetings, he said that we have now decided on 39 locations. The time span will be 36 hours. The dates will be October the 23rd and 24th. The cities that we have uh, locked in on will be Manchester, London, Paris, Barcelona, Rotterdam. The nations will be Sweden, England, uh, France, Spain, and Holland. And the, the, there were just a few things, but when, when the more I looked into it, it was like it sounded to me, with my experience of, of breathing down the neck of these individuals for many, many years, that what he was actually saying is that they were locking in on 39, 39 coordinated attacks in these countries. And when you look at what was going on in the world right now, that, at that time, it was October of 2019, Manchester and London, that was right when the Brexit referendum was going on, meaning also that England was trying to leave the European Union. The European Union is, an, is just another front of organized crime for the New World Order. It's, they have all of these organizations and, and so on that looks beautiful on the surface. When you, when you open up the lid, it just stinks. You know? Sure. So is so NATO. European, so is NATO. NATO is another one. NATO, the European Union, uh, United Nations, uh, uh, so many of these ones are their creations. Their creation. This is it. So... NATO is major in this whole thing. So anyway, so uh, Bre the Brexit referendum was just about to take place there. So what better excuse if there were suddenly 39 coordinated attacks in, among other cities, Manchester and London, both of them were alleged ter terror attacks that happened before, which I and, and many other people have exposed big time as inside jobs in uh, all of the cases. The Westminster Bridge attack was the one that I predicted two months before it even happened. <clears throat> so, so what better excuse to suddenly say, because of all of this mayhem, 39 coordinated attacks in these different nations, we had to martial law, lock down, sorry about Brexit, 
referendum we wish you could, that could take place but for, for your security we just had to lock down everything you're not demonstrating and by the way because of this major alert we had to shut it of these terrorists have been communicating via Twitter, Facebook, uh, whatever, uh, you know, all of these. So for security reasons, we need to shut down the Internet and then release instead a commercial version where we decide what you're allowed to see and you will have to pay for it. This is a wet dream that they've been trying to get through so many different ways. And they've just been waiting for a major thing to happen so that that could be the excuse for this to happen. I'm speculating now, but this is what I think was planned. So. Right when the Brexit referendum happened, that had this happened, 39 coordinated attacks, that would have taken care of that. The same in, in France, you had the Yellow Vest movement that was much, much bigger than we were being presented in mainstream media. Meaning, once again, because of all of this chaos, I mean, 39 coordinated attacks is a lot. Do you know how much? It's like... Boom, 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 and boom. Can you imagine if these were strategic strategic targets where they would also, of course, attack themselves, like the NATO headquarters, I guarantee you, the United Nations, that would be hit. Uh, the European Union Parliament building, that would be hit, all of these things, but also strategic positions in this whole thing. So because of that chaos, they could just shut down France as well, very sorry, lock you down. The whole lock-in process that we've seen under COVID, but because of this whole mayhem instead. So that would take care of France. Then you have Barcelona, uh, where you had exactly this uprising of trying to free itself from Spain and indirectly freeing itself from the European Union. That would also give the excuse to shut down that place. Then you had, uh, that was England, France, Spain. Then you had in Sweden, it was a bit different because on these uh, dates, the 23rd and 24th of October, there were a massive security drill involving 1,600 crisis actors, they say, on their own website, where they were planning to have like uh, two power stations failure. One of them, uh, El Colby, a water uh, power plant. The other one, a nuclear power plant uh, northeast of Stockholm, Forsmark. So a meltdown, a radioactive meltdown in Sweden would be the drill. But can you imagine if the, I mean, radioactivity and viruses are the perfect thing in a PSYOP because you cannot see them. You cannot track them. So anyone who controls the outlet of mainstream media can just say, well, the radioactive cloud is now right over Stockholm. Stay indoors, stay indoors. It's now over Copenhagen. It's now over northern Germany. It's in Belgium. It's wherever they wanted it. So we would just freak out and stay indoors because of the radioactive downfall. So that, if that were part of the plan, that could be very useful for them as well. And then we had Rotterdam, which I did not understand. Why Rotterdam? And then I spoke to this naval officer, and she told me that Rotterdam is the, the harbor in food. Europe where most of the food import comes in. So if you knock out the port of Rotterdam, it could create uh, famine in the whole of Europe within a week. Because nowadays... Food is not being stored anyway. It's always on the road through trucks and ships and whatever. So yeah, storage storage is too expensive. So that's why it's just in time inventory. Exactly. Uh, 
And and now I've been told later on that uh, what they were planning on to hit Rotterdam with was the bomb that was later used on Beirut. Do you know? Do you remember the bomb that went off in Beirut for no apparent reason? They said it was a firework uh, factory. Oh, that yes, bad. yes. With that, that it looked it looked weird, almost like a wave. It is. It was a massive something. I mean, it was the had nothing to do with fireworks. There was a missile coming in, and the the impact of it was like a, a atomic bomb almost. I mean, when you saw the the waves and the destruction. Yeah. I do not know what happened, what hit there, but according to insiders, they told me that was the bomb that was planned for Rotterdam to knock out the port of Rotterdam. And then I was also in contact with some uh, a military guy in Albania, and he said on the exact dates that I was uh, referring to, there were uh, a NATO drill where they were. Um, uh, an, the scenario was earthquakes in Albania, Croatia, and Serbia. So. All in that, if you put all of these things together, that would be major mayhem. Do you agree? Also, on October the 24th was the United Nations Day, meaning that that could really add to the emotional impact of this whole thing. And oh my God, we were hit on that hour. Well, day one thing, I don't mean to interrupt thing. you, all of it. This thing that you just brought up about the 2020 Beirut explosion, which by the way, it happened at the port of Beirut. So do you think that was a, a trial run of what could have happened at Rotterdam? I, I would say they didn't use the bomb in Rotterdam as planned. And so for some reason, they hit the, the Beirut instead. Mm. I'm still confused why they did that. If it was just like a beta test, which sometimes they do, they just love to test new armor. And that they hit uh, uh, Lebanon, which has been hit so many times before. 300,000 people homeless in Beirut, 15 billion in property damage from that explosion. Yeah, I can only say that there was a bomb and that it was not, it was not the firework mm. thing. Uh, that they would never have that, uh, that uh, magnitude of, of uh, power, the explosion from fireworks on its own. And also you could see there was footage of a missile coming in right before uh, the explosion and then the the the, the impact of this in, explosion was I mean massive 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 I've never seen anything no like me neither what was, what was the official story I don't remember now why did they came out no, no they say they're still saying that it was uh, that there was a fire at this factory down in the port of Beirut that was dealing with fireworks and so this fire and it <laughs> no. started with a fire there was first a fire yeah and then, after a while, in came this missile and just blew the whole thing into smithereens. So, when when I started seeing the magnitude of what I thought I saw, because I didn't know for sure, I just felt, oh my God, what are they planning? Because when I started putting the pieces together, what I started seeing was a possible European 9-11, but with absolute, you know, things that could stretch to the whole world, you know, especially also if they use this to shut down the internet as we know it, because this, they've tried it several times and they tried to do it legal, legal ways and stuff like, because if they could shut down the internet, that would just cut us off from each other. We wouldn't be able to get in touch. All of these uh, alternative shows and so on would be labeled terror 
I mean, they're trying to call us terrorists already. All of this whole thing would be also hurt very, very uh, massively. So first of all, uh, I was sitting in this RV in Sweden, just putting the pieces together. I just, I couldn't believe what I was seeing, you know. So first of all, I felt like puking. And then uh, I started together with my, my tour organizer, Johnny Cash, uh, 12 hours of intense, I con- contacted as many uh, radio stations as I could. And uh, for 12 hours straight, I did like short um, interviews just saying, this is what I this is what I see. I have no idea. These are the signs. These are the targets, possible targets. I have no idea. But this, 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 this is what I fear can happen. If you think that this information can be of value, please help me share it, share it, share it to as many as possible. Because our chances, there's like t- live on October the 23rd because this was on October 21st so I said this is our chance to stop it if we get it out to enough people so I contacted I don't know how many shows I was just non-stop non-stop I tried to contact you I believe but I don't I, as far as I remember I couldn't get hold of you hmm. but anyway so so uh, uh, we did that 12 hours straight and 4am I just fell asleep I was so exhausted so October the 23rd came, and I didn't know, you know, am I speculating? Am I onto something? Are they going to go live with this whole thing or not? So the morning of 20, the, October the 23rd came, and more or less nothing happened. So I thought, I don't know. I have no idea. And then a few hours later, I was contacted by a freelance journalist, an American journalist in Brussels, which is the place, the location of the NATO headquarters. And she said uh, uh, that she had been working there for several years. She had very good intel from military, uh, intelligence, community, uh, governments, and stuff like that. And she said, for months we've been feeling that something major is building up, but we haven't been able to figure out what it is. Nobody knows. The military doesn't know. The police, the intelligence, nobody knows. But there's just been this feeling of something really big building up. And she said, then we saw your warning, and everything fell into place. Her words, not mine. So she said, are you aware of what's going on in Brussels right now? I said, I have absolutely no idea. She said, all of the defense ministers of NATO have been called urgently to Brussels for an emergency meeting. This you can even find on NATO's home homepage. And she said, the reason why they're meeting is because of this warning. They Suddenly there's this, this whole feel of, of terror in, in Brussels. There's a panic mode in Brussels. So I thought, that is amazing, because just like you mentioned before NATO, in my world, and after all of these years of studying, this is an organization of death and destruction. It has nothing to do with security. It is a terror tool. That is what it is. And so I thought, that this is amazing. I mean, is it possible that we managed to, to, you know, jam a steel rod into the gearbox of this death machine? I mean, nobody would be happier than I. And so uh, this, this emergency meeting went on. Then I was contacted by someone else. Uh, and I, I don't know, I cannot uh, guarantee that these things are directly connected. I can't remember either if it was one day or the next one, but it's, it, these things happen very, very closely to each other. So the next thing that happened was uh, somebody called me and said, have you seen the article? I said, what article? He said, there's a website called VoltaireNet.org where uh, it's a very prestigious uh, website, apparently, where 
prime ministers and all kinds of uh, high-level people write their articles and stuff. And their main article was NATO on the brink of implosion. So I thought, this is amazing. This is amazing. And so just a few hours later, uh, I was contacted by someone else who said, have you seen what's happening with Israel? I said, no. And he said, check it out. All of the, uh, all of the consulates and embassies globally, all of the Israeli Close. consulates and embassies are closing down. They, I said, what? Yeah. He said, it's because there's a, a strike for better wages. I'm like, are you telling me that the, <laughs> no. the staff of Israeli embassies and consulates globally have managed to organize a lockdown, a close down of all of them? I mean, that doesn't sound true to me whatsoever. Why that happened, I'm not sure. At the same time, I was contacted by someone else who said, are you aware of that the, uh, Mike Pence, the vice president of the U.S., and the Secretary of Defense have been called back from a, a trip in the Middle East. They have been called back uh, to uh, on. You got cut. You got cut off. You got cut off. You got cut off all of a sudden. So Mike Pence and the Defense uh, Secretary were recalled. I remember that when they were going to the Middle East. What did you say after? No, they were called back to Washington D.C. for urgent meetings, secret meetings. So I, I cannot swear that this has to do with each other but the timing was very boom 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 like this so i'm just pointing it out because this could be part of the bigger picture and and then a few days later donald trump went out and said uh, we've got some great news we managed to kill al-baghdadi and i think that's great donald there's just one little uh, problem here if you look at isis when you look at that it's actually the u.s state department and saudis that are yeah. funding this whole bully or boogeyman that you created. I'm not saying Trump, but I'm saying the U.S. And, and the New World Order. Great. But this is the fourth time you've had press conferences saying that you killed him. So please get your facts straight because something is not matching up here. And also, el-Baghdadi is the, the second el-Baghdadi they, they claim to have been able to kill here. So what was that? If not some kind of diversion, I would say to keep people's attention possibly away from what is going on good on something a diversion so anyway the 25th the head of nato who was very central in the scenario around the mass shooting on utter norway and the blowing up of the government building he former gro harlem brundtland former prime minister of of norway both of them bilderbergers and gro harlem grundland Brundtland, also the architect of Agenda 21, believe it or not, together with Morris Strong. So key players in these dark games here. Uh, Jens Stoltenberg, head of NATO, had a press conference. And this press conference, I believe, was planned to take place after this whole mayhem scenario had been played out, when the whole of Europe were in chaos and so on. Instead, he, there, since nothing happened, he had nothing to say. And if you listen to it, I think you can still find it on the on YouTube. It's like he opens the meeting like, welcome to this meeting. I mean, this guy is shitting himself. He does not look comfortable at all. And the press conference is super short. And at the same day also, they just get this whole thing with, uh, they made, a, I think, a $1 billion deal with, with uh, Boeing for surveillance 
thing. I think that was meant to just, while we were still in the gun smoke and, and totally confused, they would just uh, get this whole thing uh, under the radar so nobody would really notice. Well, nobody really noticed anyway, but that's a lot of money going into surveillance indirectly of ourselves. You know. So what has this gone to do with uh, got to do with Corona. The thing is, Mel, that on the 18th of September, I, I found this on the 21st. It was meant to go down October 23 and 24. But on the 18th, just five days before, there was something happening in New York. It was called Event 201. Event 201 or Event 21, if you look at the logo of, of uh, that event, you will see that everything is in different gray tones except for the zero, which is a planet or whatever it is. <clears throat> so it's actually, I would say, Event 21 totally connected with Agenda 21, which is just another name of the New World Order or the Fourth Industrial Revolution. It's the same plan, different names. So as you know, Event 201, which I don't think was meant either. I was one of the first to point it out because that was not meant to be known by people the world was supposed to be shut down, the internet shut down, so nobody would ever find out about this whole thing. But on the day, I would call it a drill. They called it a simulation, a, a pandemic simulation. And the scenario of that was the coronavirus, identical, identical to what then was released on the world. Identical, where they went through the whole thing. They haven't dared to take it down yet. They, 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 there's a description on the page saying, any similarities with reality had nothing to do with us. We have no, but it's still there. And you can see they go saying, how can we control media? How are we going to control governments? How are we going to control opposition? How are we going to uh, control truth? See, even they had uh, prepared, uh, you know, broadcasting things. It was called GNN, not CNN. But it was the whole corona scenario where the total death were 65 million people around the world. It was how it was spread. It was uh, the symptoms, everything. What are the chances that that exact identical scenario with people that had then been come key in this whole operation in real life was part of this simulation if they were not connected? They claimed that they had nothing to do with each other. But that's like claiming that Beethoven and some his twin, unknown twin brother had composed the exact same opera that was then publicly, uh, you know, presented some months later, and they had nothing to do with each other. This, I mean, it's the chances are in the trillions, I would say. So anyway, at this uh, whole thing, they went through the corona thing, how it would spread, how it would happen. The only difference was that the epicenter was in South America and not in China. But who were there any representatives from South America? No. Was there one Chinese uh, professor, biological expert? Yes, Professor Gao, I think his name, with connection to Wuhan. Boom. And who sponsored this whole thing? The Bill and Melinda Found, uh, Foundation, Gates Foundation, and the World Economic Forum. Here we go again. Plus the Johns Hopkins Hospital. And Gavi. So I do not think Gavi was there. But at but then again, I, as far as I know, it's only these three. The map that has been used internationally comes from Johns Hopkins. And I've even uh, interviewed the guy who invented this map. And he said it is absolutely, totally unreliable. It is, he's compared it with the numbers from CDC and all of these things. 
it matches up with there's no logic whatsoever. So thank you for your patience. Can I ramble on a little more? Please, please. But, but, but we have to take a one and only break because we're coming to the, the uh, first hour. But everything you're saying is just... For, for people not to understand, October 18th, when this happened, I remember because it was my birthday uh, when this was happening, and I'm thinking, they're telling us once again what they're planning to do. And the same people, I mean, you probably have heard recently where they're telling Joe Rogan, why are you talking about this? You're not a doctor. But we're allowing Bill Gates to all the time travel the world, inject people all over the place. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. I have to say a couple of things before we take a break. You know, based on the censorship that you're going through, I am puzzled, Oli, because you're probably one of the kindest, most compassionate and loving persons and smartest that I know. Why do they hate you so much? I want to explore this, and I think it's because you are opening the gates to their plans. And a lot of people complain to me sometimes because I listen to you, right? And I put dates out there, and they say, oh, you see, nothing happened, Mel. Well, folks, don't you get it? Sometimes when you sh shed light into those conspiracies, they run like cockroaches, and they go away until the next plan. So wouldn't you rather know and be be aware of what might happen so you're prepared? And maybe, just maybe, they cancel their plans. So I have to thank Ole for the bravery for what you're going through. You're a family man. You're escaping from one country to the other because your love for humanity is beyond anything else. Ole, how can people help you right now in this situation that you are in, in Bali and with all the censorship? Well, first of all, Mel, thank you so much for, for seeing who I am for seeing what it is I'm doing. Um, that means a lot to me. I, I'm, I don't have many platforms left. <laughs> so, so the website we have is lightonconspiracies.com. You can spend years there. Uh, there's, there's more than 1,000 interviews with myself. Uh, also, uh, what we're trying to do is I, I personally go through every single thing that is on it, and there's more than six, 7,000 articles in many different categories. What we're trying to do is make it a platform where you can go and just feel at least safe to a certain extent. If you trust me then and my judgment, then I have really, really tried to go through and make sure that these things are correct that is presented there meaning that you don't have to surf all over the internet, meaning also being exposed to all kinds of manipulation and so on. Hopefully, uh, if I've done a good job, what is presented there is true. And I'm also using this, uh, my website, uh, we've, we've been heavily attacked several times and it's been totally destroyed several times. But now, up until now, not, knock on wood, it, it seems like Fort Knox. So I'm also inviting other people that are being heavily censored, that are being targeted. I mean, I have multiple friends that are, are no longer with us and, and or in mental institutions or in prisons. I, I mean, it is a hard game or whatever. But anyway, I'm, I'm opened up my website to present there as well as well. So if anyone would like to support me in my efforts for all of us, I mean, this is not for me. If I did not do what I do, my my family's life would be a lot easier. We we changed countries twice now. We've had people murdered around me and stuff like that. My daughter felt for months that we kidnapped her here to Bali and was crying endlessly. I mean, not easy. But at the same time, I feel in my heart that this is very important 
to to do. And so on my website there are uh, donation buttons, different uh, ways of uh, sponsoring uh, my efforts. Also my newsletter, I have a monthly newsletter where I try to pack it with stuff where I just say, please look here, look there, look here, look there. This is what I found. And this is also where in the archives and so on, you can see this is when I said it, boom, that's when it happened. This this is when I said it, boom, that's when it happened. So it's not just speculations or theories, it's actually, this is when, I mean, I pointed out Kazakhstan and a month or two before it actually went down. How is it to learn yourself also to be part of the solution and find these clues at a point? So uh, my area, my books that are being also censored, I mean, any way of support is extremely appreciated, especially now when Patreon hit us because, uh, yeah, I'm not really sure how we're going to continue, but I tell you, it ain't over till it's over, and they've tried to stop me many times, not succeeded, and they're not going to succeed this time either. It's definitely not over. Folks, don't go anywhere. Ole Damagord has given us one more hour, and we're going to go deeper in part two. This is Mel Hostelrake, and you are listening to Veritas. Don't go anywhere. Thank you for listening to the first part of this important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest and all of our material, proceed to the member section or join the Veritas family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store. For Focus Life Force Energy, MMS, CBD Pure Hemp Oil, Pure Organic Sulfur, Flash Drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas Seasons, and other great products. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. Now, proceed to the members section or subscribe, to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Thank you for listening to Veritas. Because you don't want to believe. You want to know.